everybody. Welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad you decided to join me today. Uh, we're going to continue on in our journey in this topic about the Holy Spirit. I hope this has been a blessing to you. So this is actually, we're, going, we're in, our, we're in uh, message number eight in this series. And we started all the way back in who was the Holy Spirit? Who was he in the Old Testament? Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spiritual language, and all the, we've done several on the spiritual gifts, and we're going to stay in that because, as you know, last week, if you listened to last week's, we started into one aspect of the gifts, and today we're going to continue on, and then next week we will finish out with that. But this is Who is the Holy Spirit? That's our series. This is part eight. The title of this particular sermon will be The Beauty of Spiritual Gifts, Part 3. So this is our third sermon on the spiritual gifts. The first one was the first seven verses in 1 Corinthians 12 that kind of set it in context so we knew kind of why Paul was even talking about it. He was trying to deal with the Corinthian church to help get them things aligned properly uh, when it came to the gifts because they were a little, they were a little unbalanced in regards to the gifts. And then we dealt with that. And last week we dealt with, again, we dealt with a particular section. And then today we're going to deal with another area where they're at. Um, so the beauty of spiritual gifts, part three. There are four Greek words that are used in the New Testament that refer to spiritual gifts. One is charisma, which you all have heard that before. Uh, another one is pneumatikos. Another one is diakonia. Another one is energemata. But when we put all these different Greek words together, each one of them that stands for, that um, sits in for the word spiritual gifts, we find that spiritual gifts are abilities that God gives to believers for service in the church or the body of Christ. Remember, we've talked about that a lot. The gifts are given to be used. They're not to gloat over. They're not to, they're not like a, a, a medal you hang around your neck. Look, say, look at the gift I have. They are to be used for service and they are used when you are in service in the kingdom. And, and like I said at the end of last week's sermon, how do I find your gift? Well, you could pray, ask for it, but every one of you who's born again, you have a gift or gifts inside of you that you may not even know about. And I tell people, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, one good way to find out is to get serving in your church and you'll begin to see the areas of passion you have. And then that actually will be affirmed by other people where they will say, hey, man, you know, wow, you're doing a great job here. This looks like something you just fit into. And you'll get comments like that and you'll begin to think, oh, this must be what my one of my spiritual giftings is. Um, so these are spiritual gifts or they are gifts that operate in the realm of the supernatural or in the realm of the Holy Spirit. So last week in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 8 through 10, we looked at the nine spiritual gifts listed there. And they are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, the effecting of miracles, prophecy, the distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And we talk about what each one of those is and uh, how we can, you know, we gave the bullet points on whether we can see them in our own particular lives or not. Today, we're going to cover some 
more listed spiritual gifts that we find in other various sections of scripture. And again, if we need to, like I said earlier, we will do one more sermon next week to finish off this topic of spiritual gifts. But for today, I want to go into the book of Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be reading in verses 6 through 8, because we have another listing of spiritual gifts here. So that would be Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. So if you have your Bible, turn there, make sure you get there, and let's read this together. Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So there it says, each of us have been given specific gifts for our own life to use for the building up of the body. It goes on to say, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So here we have listed prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement or exhortation, giving, leading, and showing mercy. And I love this section because the ones in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are those that we all kind of recognize. Now we're getting into these um, spiritual gifts that are not so much recognized or known to be spiritual gifts, but they are. So again, it covers prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, slash exhortation, giving, leading, and showing mercy. So we covered prophecy last week, so we're going to skip that one for today. We're going to get right into the next one listed And that is the spiritual gift of serving. Someone says, serving as a spiritual gift? Oh yeah, it is a hugely, as they are all important, this is just as as important as any other spiritual gift that is being, that is anybody in the church is functioning in, this is just as important as all of them. Matter of fact, this is such a fundamental spiritual gift that you wouldn't have churches uh, doing anything that they're supposed to be doing if you didn't have those who were, given the gift of serving. The person who has the gift of service has a servant heart. It says, if it is serving, then serve. In other words, the point is that one should continuously serve in the sphere of your gift of serving. Everybody's going to have to a point, if you're a Christian, you're a believer, you should have a desire to help uh, and to serve. That's just something that comes along with who we are as followers of Christ. But again, this is a gift of serving. The gift of service is the ability to see things that need to be done and do them. And I thank God for those who have the gift of service in the church. Uh, We had one man who whenever, and some of you that are out there who are, maybe you're a pastor listening to this, or you can relate to this, We had one man who, whenever an announcement was made that something needed to be done, man, he was always there on the spot. If if it does, it didn't make any difference whether anybody else knew what he was doing or not. He's there, and he then gets something done. And you know, might I say that this is one of the most, again, most effective and powerful testimonies of Christ within the church. The person committed. This person concerned. 
Uh, this person who has a gift of serving, who says steps up to the plate and says, get me in the game, I'll do whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. They may not be able to preach, but their life is a continual testimony to the reality of Christ living in them, this gift of serving. Just if, it's a, if there's a need to be done, they are the first ones to go, let me do it. I can take care of that. And this particular man was one of the most effective ministers for Christ in the whole church because of this gift of serving. A person who has the heart of serving doesn't matter how much credit he or she gets. The root of all ministry, of all ministry, is servanthood. I've heard people say, um, you shouldn't think about picking up a uh, microphone to preach until you pick up a broom to work. I mean, it's servanthood. And the willingness to do whatever it takes, especially according to the gifts that God has given to you. So servanthood is a foundational thing to, to our life and our existence as a man or woman of God anyway. But this gift of serving is a powerful gift. So a person who is a faithful servant is a person you can trust. A person you can put your confidence in. A person who doesn't mind getting any, they don't mind if they get no recognition, but they don't mind rolling up their sleeves so that the important work of getting the word out might take place. They understand their, their gift of serving plays a role within the body that helps the word to get out effectively. That's how important that gift of serving is. So if you have the gift of serving, like it says, then serve and do it continually. And you do it without, even without recognition, just keep serving because you're not doing it for man's applause. You're doing it as unto the Lord and you will be rewarded for operating in that gift of service. I guarantee it. The next one we see there in the list is teaching. Didasco is the Greek word. It means to provide, I want you to really listen to this because this is important, teaching. Teaching is not just getting up and rambling. Teaching is not just getting up and telling stories. Teaching, it means to provide instruction or information in a formal or informal setting with the aim of giving understanding. In the 97 New Testament uses of the Greek word didasko, the meaning is virtually always to teach or to instruct. It refers to the passing on of information often, but not necessarily in a formal setting. Synagogue teaching, when you look at what Jesus did sometimes, his teaching within the synagogues, he was basically doing expository teaching. Scripture was read, explained section by section, often verse by verse. This is a missing art in the church today, actually going verse by verse. A lot of pastors who would call themselves teachers, um, I'm not knocking anything, but it's a lot of kind of uh, concepts about certain scriptures in the Bible, or there's always got to be, I'm not against funny stories, but that shouldn't be the thing that people remember you by. If you're the one up giving out the word, somehow we've lost this, um, this uh, need for expository teaching where you're taking people through books of the Bible, verse by verse, explaining what the actual Bible says, not what you think it says, but explaining, ripping it apart, interpreting it properly, uh, and uh, expositing that word so that these people can grow into more mature disciples. Um, didasco, the root meaning is, it carries with it the idea of systematic teaching or systematic training. 
that is a, I believe that's one of the best ways to disciple people, to teach them the Word of God systematically. And that's how people really begin to learn the Word and not just uh, concepts about it. That's the best word I can think of. Um, people will pick, sometimes pastors pick, cherry pick verses and make a sermon out of them, but there's no teaching that's gone on. It's just a, it's just a, a concept that's built around this particular scripture verse. We're talking about systematic teaching or systematic training. So let's talk about the gift of prophecy. That could be a one-time proclamation of Christ, but the gift of teaching is systematic training to take a person from one point to another. That's why teaching like this from the pulpit should not just be done for the weeknight Bible study. This is supposed to be done from the pulpit because you can't. it's a waste to gather people in front of you and not teach them the Word of God. Remember, we're going to get to this next week, the pastor-teacher office. Those are linked together. So pastors should be people who are teaching the Word. And what is the curriculum for the teacher? It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. And it can be used with men, one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three, or one-on-five-thousand. The same with women. It can be used by a lady and a little group of children. It can be used by a mother to a son. It can be used by a husband to a wife, systematically teaching them different topics within the Word of God, verse by verse or section by second, book by book. Um, It's the ability, this is great, to pass on truth in a systematic progression so that someone receives it, implements it, and a change of behavior takes place. We're going to be talking about the gift of exhortation next. And the gift of exhortation is needed, but the gift of teaching is needed to connect with that gift of exhortation. And we'll be talking about this in a minute. Um, If you just get up and exhort people, then they don't ever get the training to really know how to operate correctly in the Word of God. That's where this teaching comes from. And I try to do this. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm giving you a systematic teaching on the gifts of the Spirit or on the Holy Spirit himself, going through the Bible, breaking it down, showing you what the Word of God says about this particular topic. Um, The teacher teaches, the disciple hears and processes what is heard so that this truth affects his or her innermost being. And let me give you a quick sidebar here that just popped into my head. You know, a lot of times um, I, when I get up in front of it, when I'm, when I'm in a setting, I spoke at a thing a couple Monday mornings ago to a group of coaches and police officers. Uh, that was more of a, a kind of an evangelistic uh, role that I played there. And I'm very, uh, I would say, spiritually aggressive with the gospel. I want, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them this talk about the heart of a champion, talking about David. But, you know, this thing about taking him into the gospel, and I'm, I'm, very, uh, I'm very passionate about that. Um, it's not, I'm very passionate about teaching, but sometimes teaching is not the really, you know, bang, bang, bang. It's the systematic taking person from one point to another, but it's just as needed. And so that's what I try to do. This is a different, this is a, another aspect of my ministry ability is I, I love to do this because I love to see people discipled. And I realized that then this is one of the gifts that um, I operate in is this gift of teaching because there's this desire in me to take people through the word of God or through topics or areas of the word um, 
systematically. So you will receive it, implement it, and that, again, I'll say there will be a change of behavior in your life. And that's the goal of teaching, that people's behavior changes. You can rah-rah people and get them pumped up for a week, but you need that systematic teaching uh, that helps them to grow into a more mature woman or God. The next one we come to is, it says, if it is to encourage then give encouragement. The word there also can be exhortation or exhort, if you haven't heard that before. So here we go with this teaching connected to exhortation or encouragement. If teaching provides guidance for what people ought to do, exhortation helps them achieve it. If teaching provides guidance for what people ought to do, exhortation helps them achieve it. And after going through this, I also see this as something that I operate in because some of the things I'm going to say to you, I just really see uh, th th this is an area that I operate in. My wife operates uh, in, in this area for sure. Um, we could call the gift of exhortation the stimulating of faith in others. It's the stimulating of faith in others. Teaching has in mind instruction while exhortation encourages people to practice what they have been taught. See how they're linked together? Both are necessary for a healthy Christian life. I've always thought this, and I never could put it into words when I was, when I was first uh, young into this. I always felt like a real evangelist should have a desire to also see people discipled. So while we're the evangelists up with that speaking gift and exhorting and you know calling people to repentance, there's always that flip side of you want them to grow into disciples, not just bring them in as sheep and then leave them there, uh, but to train them. Listen to this. Those who are taught but not exhorted become fat sheep who only take in and never live out the Christian life. Those who are exhorted or those who are exhorted but not taught become excited and active but have no depth or understanding as to what they are doing and will burn out quickly or work in wrong ways. It, this is important for me to read it again. Those who are taught but not exhorted become fat sheep who only take in and never live out the Christian life. Those who are exhorted but not taught become excited and active but have no depth or understanding as to what they are doing and will burn out quickly and or work in wrong ways. This is so important that that systematic teaching within the church is so important. And then again, it's also very important that people get exhorted. Exhortation is the gift of stirring up the saints to desist from every form of evil and to press on to new achievements for Christ in holiness and in service. I even put the tagline long time ago on our ministry for Brad Soldier Ministries, live all out for Christ. That's, that's exhortation in words. Live all out for Christ. Come get saved and live all out for Jesus. So it's the stirring up of the saints, even to calling them to a place of stopping every form of evil in their life. The gift of exhortation encompasses the ideas of advising, pleading, encouraging, warning, strengthening, counseling, and comforting. So in this gift of exhortation, I can see my wife and I, how we operate in it, 
but with different aspects of it and different ways of it. I'm with the gift of exhortation. I'm the um, warning sometimes, the strengthening, the uh, that type of thing. My wife is the advising or the encouraging or the counseling and comforting side of exhortation. And those are both needed. That doesn't mean I don't do that as well, but I really see that type of exhortation in her. If you've ever heard her, if you ever met with her or talked with her or sat in some type of a setting where she was uh, up in front of people, it's just a natural God-given spiritual gift of exhortation comes from her that um, comforts people and encourages people. I'm there pleading, warning, strengthening people. Um, those with the gift of exhortation will attempt to bring out the best in people. Indeed, it is to bring them to spiritual maturity because you tag it on to teaching. Again, exhortation includes rebuking fellow believers for their sins. That's part of it. Come on, man, get out of that sin. Live your life right. It's not the same as teaching. Exhortation is a call to action. Exhortation is a call to action. If you look at Jude chapter 3, let me read you this. It says, Beloved, while eagerly preparing to write to you about the salvation we share, I find it necessary to write and appeal to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. That is exhortation or encouragement. A teacher can have the gift of exhortation as did Barnabas. The Apostle Paul also possessed the spiritual gift of encouragement or exhortation. He and Barnabas both exhorted believers. Let me read to you Acts chapter 14, verse 21. It says, They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Quote, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. There is a great example. They're outwinning the lost, and then they're exhorting them to stay in the fight. They're exhorting them. It's a call to action, encouraging them to live their life all out for Christ. So exhortation and, or slash encouragement is a very, very important spiritual gift within the church, within the body of Christ. Then we have one that I don't think a lot of people thought of as being a spiritual gift, and that is giving, right? Yes, giving. It says give. If, you're, if your gift is giving, then give generously. Um, you know, all Christians are expected to contribute. This is a sign that you've received. Matthew 10, 8 says, Jesus said, freely you receive, freely you give. So giving is something that should be in every single true believer. You should all, all of us, should have a desire to give. Um, all Christians, without exception, if they really know the Lord, they will be a giver. They will give, without a doubt. But there are some who have a special gift of giving. And let me say this, by the way, it's not always the rich people either, because I've seen this in a church setting where the people with the most money, uh, compared to the people who had a median income, comparatively, if you look at a 10% amount given from one, the median, and then the rich, you'll see the median people will much more percentage-wise would give that 10% and above than for the rich person to give 10% of what they have. So it's not always rich people. It's sometimes the poorest people have the gift of giving. 
And even out of their poverty, they find ways to give. I have seen this. And they give cheerfully and they gladly bless others. That's a key to giving. He says, give generously. The word carries the idea of sincere, heartfelt giving that is untainted by affection or ulterior motive. The Christian who gives with liberality gives of himself, not for himself. He does not give for thanks of recognition, but for the sake of the one who receives his help and for the glory of God. You don't give to get noticed. You don't give to be applauded. This is where Ananias and Sapphira failed. If you never read that story, Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11, they held back. Uh, when someone who is called and gifted to be a giver stops giving with liberality, they will often see their resources dry up because they've forgotten why God has blessed them. Oh, that's powerful, right? But that's true. I've seen that. So don't be like the man who gave only once a year $10, which he placed in the pastor's hand and said, this is for the church. And uh, he wanted to make sure he got credit for his gift. And don't be like the man who stood up in church, in the church meeting and said, I want to give $100 anonymously. Uh, that's not giving with open-heartedness and generosity. So that person, we all should be givers, but that person with that special gift of giving, doesn't matter what income bracket they're in, they will give with liberality. They will give generously and they will do it as unto the Lord without any desire for recognition from anyone. I've seen people give large amounts of money to something and they did it because they wanted people to see them. That's not of God. That's, you're not gonna, I don't think you're gonna get the blessing from that because you're trying to do it uh, as of yourself and you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the kingdom and you're doing it as unto the Lord. So giving, that's a special, that's a spiritual gift, the gift of giving. Do you have that gift? If you do, do it generously. If it is to lead, here's another one. You might not have thought as a spiritual gift. If it is to lead, do it diligently. So to lead, to be placed in a position of authority or superintendence, to lead, to preside over, to conduct, to direct, to govern, to superintend, or to take over the direction of people. The spirit, we're talking about the supernatural spiritual gift of leading. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, Paul refers to the same gift by a different name. He uses the word administrations which that word is related to the word used of a pilot or a shipmaster who steers a ship. Uh, Acts 27, 11, Revelation 18, 17. This gives us an excellent picture of the meaning of administrations or leadership. It's the gift of being able to take a stand in front of somebody and say, this is what we're going to do let's go. It's the gift of being able to take a stand in front of somebody and say, this is what we're going to do. Let's go. Chuck Swindoll said, the one who has the gift of leadership thus stands before other believers to guide them and to assist them in their spiritual development. And they do it, they lead with, it says, with diligence. What's that mean? Well, if you're a leader out there, you know it's not easy. Leaders can easily become discouraged or feel like giving up. 
but I say to you, you must pers- let me exhort you today, you must persevere. Don't just go through the motions, but do it with eagerness and zeal, because both of those basically sum up the aspect of diligence. Don't, um, don't just go through the motions. Don't get downtrodden. Don't get discouraged. Just persevere through this and persevere through it with eagerness and zeal. Eagerness and zeal, that's diligence. So if you're going to lead, lead with diligence. Get out of that discouragement right now and just begin to lead as God has called you to lead. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's given you the power to lead. He's given you the power as an overcomer. He's given you the power and the wisdom to know which direction to take people to lead them into spiritual maturity. Amen. The next one we have, I don't know if you've ever thought of this as a spiritual gift, but it's mercy. Whoa, mercy. Show mercy, it says, and do it cheerfully. Paul's point is that we are to show mercy with gladness, not sadness. And this is very, I looked this up, I studied this. This is very interesting. We, let's be honest, we all, we all know how difficult it can be at times to show mercy. But here, Paul charges us to be even cheerful when we demonstrate mercy. A perfect example of mercy without cheerfulness is Job's comforters who poured even more gloom on Job's circumstances. So they came to him and they thought they were giving him mercy, but they came and brought gloom into his situation. It should be abundantly clear that mercy with cheerfulness is a supernatural transaction because it's something you're not able to do on your own. It's only possible when you're strengthened and when we're strengthened in our inner man by the Holy Spirit. This ability to show mercy, but along with it, you don't bring gloom into it. You bring cheerfulness into this aspect of showing mercy. This enablement is not to be ministered grudgingly. Paul's addendum, this addendum of, this addendum of cheerfulness is no small matter here. Mercy with cheerfulness. People who have suffered, they know this. The attitude of the fellow believer can make the difference between mercy being a help or a hindrance. So if you've been given the gift of showing mercy, you go to those people, you show mercy to them, and you do it with cheerfulness. That's what's going to help make a difference in the situation that they're in. You're showing mercy, but you're not doing it with gloom. You're doing it with cheerfulness. Uh, As someone has well said that there are some saints who can bring a sunbeam into a sick room, while others bring a noxious aroma of doom and gloom. Better to not even bring that type of mercy. So showing mercy is not merely uh, expressing a feeling, and that's important to understand. Uh, it's not. It's not nearly. It's not merely expressing a feeling for the misfortunes of others, but even more on point, it's an active desire to remove those miseries. And one of the ways that you do that is you bring mercy, but you do it with cheerfulness. The person with this gift of mercy actively shows sympathy and sensitivity to those in suffering and sorrow and has both the willingness and the resources to help lessen the other's afflictions. The spiritual gift of mercy. It's a right attitude, spirit-controlled. That's crucial to ensure that the gift of mercy is a genuine help. Let me read you a little um, 
story, a little illustration on that. It's called The Truck Driver's Hands. Uh, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The news came as a shock. Having already survived prostate cancer, my father had now been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. To complicate matters, my father is my mother's full-time caregiver, attending to her own chronic illness. With both parents needing care, there would be some difficult days ahead. After flying home to be with him, I visited my parents' church one Sunday. There, a man named Helmut, uh, Helmut approached me saying he'd like to help. Two days later, he visited our home with a checklist. Quote, you'll need some meals when the chemotherapy starts, he said. I'll arrange a cooking roster. What about the mowing? I can do that. And what day is your rubbish to be collected or your garbage to be collected? Helmut was a retired truck driver, but to us, he became an angel. We discovered he often helped others, single mothers, the homeless, the elderly. While believers in Jesus are called to help others, some have a special capacity to do so. The Apostle Paul calls it the gift of mercy. People with this gift spot needs rally practical assistance and can serve over time without getting overwhelmed. This this is continued illustration. Let me read that good. That's really good. I've seen while believers in Jesus are called to help others, some have a special capacity to do so. And you know that because you're going to see in these next things we say again uh, that you see this. The Apostle Paul calls it the gift of mercy. People with this spiritual gift, they spot needs, they rally practical assistance, and they can serve over time without getting overwhelmed. Moved by the Holy Spirit, they're the hands of the body of Christ reaching out to touch our wounds. That's the spiritual gift of mercy. So we talked about teaching, we talked about exhortation, we talked about mercy, we talked about giving, we talked about leading. So those are our spiritual gifts for today. Uh, here's another list where they are. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 30, it says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. So we talked about teachers just now. We talked about miracles last week. We talked about gifts of healing last week. We've talked about um, helping is the same aspect basically of serving. It goes on to say of guidance. That's basically the same gift as leading. And it goes on to say and of different kind of tongues, which we talked about last week. Then he goes on to ask these questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? In other words, not everybody has the same spiritual gifts. Everybody, there's various gifts that are dispensed to each to all, to all of us in the body of Christ, but each one of us have been given spiritual gifts to use to edify the body of Christ. Um, then there's another, we see this section uh, again, where we hear this word apostle in Ephesians chapter 411, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So we have the spiritual, or we have that those aspects of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Um, and then in 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11, you have where it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. In other words, if you're a preacher, your spiritual gift is teaching, your spiritual gift is exhortation, your spiritual gift is prophecy. Uh, speak, you do it as, as, as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides um, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And it closes with, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So we had that speaking and serving, uh, uh, speaking and serving gifts. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover these remaining gifts next week so we don't rush through them. Because we're going to talk about next week, this area in Ephesians 4.11, where it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastor, teacher. Because I know there's probably a lot of questions about those areas, those particular topics. Um, people will ask questions like, are these spiritual gifts or are these offices within the church? And are these still needed today? So this is going to be a really important one next week as well as we talk about, are there apostles? What's an apostle? Are there capital A apostles today? Prophets, What's a prophet? Are there capital P prophets today still? Uh, evangelists. We know all know those are still around, and I'm one. Pastor, teacher. Uh, so we'll talk about all those there next week. So all these spiritual gifts that we talked about today, again, they're not limited to those in professional ministry, to, to just the so-called clergy. I have been, um, when I first came to Christ, when I went to the church I was going to, it was not a big church at first. It eventually moved and built a building and moved into a more larger type church. But I remember in those days when I first got saved, I knew nothing about spiritual gifts. I just knew I wanted to see people get saved. So I didn't even know that was a gift of evangelism, but obviously that was there. Um, but... And I knew the gift of um, teaching or systematic to help with discipleship was there because I remember going out and doing crusades with the power team and my own team, Team Extreme. And afterwards, I, I really had this desire to, man, I just wanted people to get it plugged into a church where they could be taught and trained and grow into maturity. It was really a passion. I want them to be able to be taught and to learn how to live and grow in maturity for Christ. But in that little church I was a part of at that time, Again, not knowing all about the gifts, not knowing what all the gifts, uh, you know, operate or how they, what they do. I just remember that, I don't know if it's just because, if it was because I was so excited about being saved, which was a huge part of it, but it just came naturally to me when something needed to be done, I was, I was always ready to volunteer. Now, you know, whether I have the spiritual gift of serving or not, but there is a desire to serve and there always has been within the church. So whatever it was, if it was to paint, I was there to paint. If it was to hang ceiling tile, I was there to hang ceiling tile. If it was to uh, whatever, I, I was there to volunteer. If I had the time, I my time to do that. And then as the church moved from this already existing small building into the bigger one. Uh, we did a lot of the work ourselves, the people that were there. There was a lot of uh, skilled laborers in that body. And so we, besides the contractors and those who did some of the big stuff, we did a lot of that ourselves, you know, 
uh, someone with the gift of serving put together a program, a roster for that person who was head of that, who was head that, who had that, um, that was his designated job to do was to put together a roster because that's what he wanted to do. He had that gift of serving. So he rostered people on every night of the week. He put teams together and everyone, not maybe everyone on them, on those teams had the gift of serving, but everybody had a desire to help. But again, there are, so I don't know where you are, but there are those who have that special gift of serving. But all I know is I was part of this and I was going to do and help any way I could. If you want to call that, I just wanted to be in the game and you can say that because I think sometimes people can get saved and they, they miss this part I just said here last, that spiritual gifts are not limited to those in professional ministry. They're not just to the people who you would, the so-called clergy people. Spiritual gifts are for everybody within the church to find your gift and to operate in that gift. The whole ministry is the work of the whole body. So, like I said, every spiritual gift, it's, it's not just about people who you think are, are in professional ministry. So we, we, we see people who sit in the pew who don't get, it, don't get involved in anything. And not only are they not even wanting to play a part in doing simple things within the church, they're not operating in their spiritual gifts. All of us together have gifts of the Spirit, which we are called to exercise. And let me say this very straightforward to you. Let me exhort you with this. The whole body falters and fails if you're not doing your part in exercising the gifts that God has given you. You're not playing your part within on the team or within the body of Christ. So I challenge you today, I exhort you, I encourage you today to find out your spiritual gifts and use them. Because if you're not using the gift that God has given you, you are robbing Christ of his right to be in you what he wants to be. That's the importance of finding your spiritual gift. If you're not using your gift, the gift that God has given you, one or two gifts or however many gifts you operate in, you're, if you don't operate in them or use them, you're robbing Christ of his right to be in you what he wants to be. That's a big deal. One commentator said, Although we obviously must pay attention to our gift, we can never faithfully exercise it by focusing on the gift itself. We can serve Christ only as we become like Christ, and we can exercise the Spirit's gifts only as we present ourselves as living sacrifices and submit to His continuing transformation and sanctification of our lives. So live your life as unto Christ and let your gift operate through your life. Let Christ be in you everything he wants to be. Amen. That's so important. I exhort you. I encourage you, man. Get in the game. Get out of the stands. Get in the game. Get on the field and start playing in the game. Let God use you the way he wants to use you. Let Jesus be in you everything that he wants to be. Amen. Remember, without love, the most magnificent manifestation of spiritual gifts and the most heroic self-sacrifice mean nothing. So as we operate within the body of Christ, within our giftings, we always do it in the foundation of love because without love, every, it's all meaningless. No matter what gift you have, if you don't do it in love, 
it's meaningless. So always check your heart. Amen. Right things need to be done the right way. So again, I've already said it, but I'm going to read it what I said at the end. Get in the game and get serving. Uh, and your gifts will begin to come forth. As you begin to serve, you will start to see your gifts come forth. And people, again, they will affirm you. They will look at you and go, wow, man, you, you, you did a great job of that. And you'll find passion in that job, whatever it is. I don't care if you're in the helping business, the serving business. You will find great fulfillment in serving within the body of Christ. And you'll even find fulfillment if you don't get recognition for it. I guarantee you somewhere along the line, someone's going to recognize it. And there are people that recognize it, but may not say anything to you about it. But you just keep on serving. You just keep on teaching. You just keep on exhorting. You just keep on giving. And you just keep on showing mercy. And man, I'm telling you something, you're building up the body of Christ. And always do it, not unto yourselves or unto other people, but always do it as unto the Lord. Amen and amen. Can I pray for you right now? Hallelujah. Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Father, for everyone that's been a part of this video, this sermon teaching today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the spiritual gifts that you have given to each one of us. I pray, as Paul prayed for Timothy, I pray they would stir up the gifts inside of themselves. If they don't know what their spiritual gifting is, they would do everything they can to find it because they want to find it, because they want to be using it, because they want, let, they want to let you, Jesus, be everything in their life that you want to be. So I pray that everyone listening to this would get into the game. And if they know what their spiritual giftings are, they'd find a place to serve with them. Serve with them in Jesus' name and build our this body of Christ. Continue to build it. I pray playing a role in getting the work of the word out, playing a role in the winning of souls, playing the role in the maturing of other believers. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Stir up the gifts within us. We choose today to stir up the gifts within ourselves. ourselves. And we thank you for this today. We thank you that you've given us jobs to do. You thank you that you've given us gifts to do and to operate in that really make a difference. Make a difference not just on the earth, but make a difference in eternity the lives of people. So we thank you for this today. We bless you. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. We're going to continue this on and finish up with spiritual gifts next week. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope this series has been a blessing to you. I hope you are learning and you're growing and you're growing in your maturity in Christ to be everything that God has called you to be. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with me today. Amen. Live your life all out for Christ. Amen.